0: Psalm 124 If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel now say, If the Lord had not been on our side when enemies rose up against us, then would they have swallowed us up alive in their fierce anger toward us. Then would the waters have overwhelmed us and the torrent gone over us. Then would the raging waters have gone right over us. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us over to be a prey for their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Our reading for today comes from Ezekiel, chapter 6. All of it. (laughs) The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them and say, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills, to the ravines and the valleys, behold, I, even I will bring a sword upon you and I will destroy your high places. Your altars shall become desolate and your incense altars shall be broken. And I will cast down your slain before your idols. And I will lay the dead bodies of the people of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones around your altars. And wherever you dwell, the cities shall be waste and the high places ruined, so that your altars will be waste and ruined, your idols broken and destroyed, your incense altars cut down and your works wiped out, and the slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Yet I will leave some of you alive. When you have When you have among the nations some who escape the sword, and when you are scattered through the countries, then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive. How I have been broken over their whoring heart that has departed from me, and over their eyes that go whoring after their idols. And they will be loathsome in their own sight for the evils that they have committed for all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would do this evil to them. Thus says the Lord God, clap your hands and stamp your foot and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword by famine and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die of pestilence, and he who is near shall shall fall by the sword, and he who is left is left and is preserved shall die of famine. Thus I will spend my fury upon them. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When their slain lie among their idols, around their altars, on every high hill, and all the mountain tops, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, wherever they offered pleasing aroma to all their idols, and I will stretch out my hand against them, and make their land desolate and waste, and all their dwelling places, from the wilderness to Ribla. Then they will know that I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. I am a huge fan of academy football. What does that mean? I, I love watching West Point play and Annapolis, the Naval Academy, uh, and Air Force. Uh, in in part because ninety nine point nine percent of those guys on that field on any given Sunday are not going or Saturday are not going to play on Sundays. Right, like. They're not going to make it in the NFL. There's a, there's a small number of them that will. Maybe there's one player every year that would be good enough to maybe make a roster or a practice squad or, or something like that. But it's a very small number. And because of their commitment to the military, it's very hard for them to... Uh, uh, get out of what it is that they have to do to serve their country in order for them to go and play in the NFL. Then you uh, throw in the fact that these academies are not because of the rigorous uh, military and academic expectations they are not able to play like other schools. They're, they're not getting the position players that they need to be able to play like Alabama, like Clemson, like USC, like uh, you know any, other, even, even my, my team, Fresno State. They, they, they don't get those wide receivers and stuff like that. They don't get the quarterback with the cannon for an arm. What they do know that they can recruit, though, is that they recruit uh, linemen who can run, and and are are rather athletic because they can't recruit the guys that are three hundred and fifty pounds because of the expectations of the military. Uh, they they bring in the running backs and and they play these sort of wishbone or option type offenses in which either one they spread the field out so they've got like four wide receivers a quarterback and a running back and they hope that they can find some gaps to run with the ball or they'll play that that actual uh sort of triple option offense that that army likes to run where it's the three running backs and one or two tight ends and full line and and the quarterback can run the fullback can run the 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 running backs the wing backs can run you know all these things they know what they can do right and, and they play their game. They don't try to be uh, some of these other uh, big-time offenses that you would see because they just don't have the players to fit that system. And that's, that's actually the sign of a good organization and a good coach is to know this is what I have, this is what I'm able to do, the, the essence of knowing your limitations, right? Well, I start there because what has been happening within the history of Israel, and we see it in the story, uh, especially all the stories of the kings and second kings, and I was actually listening to a 1517 podcast with with Chad Bird that I love, the 40 minutes in the Old Testament, and they were talking about this, um, about how uh, these kings, what was ending up happening is they were losing, (laughs) in part, they were losing, And, and so they would start going after the gods of these countries they were losing to, these empires they were losing to, to be more like them in essence because they're thinking, well, if I'm like them, then uh, then we'll win because their gods seem to be rewarding them and our God seems to be punishing us. And so I'm going to set aside my God and I'm going to go with this Particular God who uh, seems to to be helping their people win. Uh, not not to mention the fact that because of the wealth and the prosperity that Solomon brought, uh, the the city of Jerusalem and other places had become rather cosmopolitan. In in some respects, you had a lot of trading happening between other countries, and because of that, you had a lot of transfer of. Uh, knowledge transfer of ideas, transfer of deities, and and part of that gets contributed to these issues that now Ezekiel is talking about here in 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 chapter six. Uh, that that will be a big issue in a bunch of the other Old Testament books in the the high places. The high places were this this issue of uh, a lot of the kings would clean up the temple. And they would do some things right in how people should be worshiping worshiping at the temple, but there was no cleaning up of all the other deities. Uh, So it it would be like uh, being married and loving your wife but and and being fully devoted to your wife, but then also uh, making sure that she lets you have an open relationship so that you can go out and sleep with whoever you want to, as long as you come home at night. And that's, that's one of the struggles that Israel was having. And here, chapter 6, is God declaring his judgment over what has been taking place in Israel. The, the, the main issue being idolatry. Whoring after other gods is the, is the graphic imagery that Ezekiel uses here. And, and at first he's talking about, okay, preach against the, the the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Prophesy against all the places that people have set up these little altars to particular little deities, uh, to, to their own versions of whatever sort of uh, supreme being they are wanting to serve uh, and, and prophesy against them. Say they're going to be torn down. Uh, They're going to be destroyed. All your high places says, verse three, I will bring a sword upon you and I will destroy your high places. Your altars shall become desolate and your incense altar shall be broken and I will cast down your slain before your idols. And then he goes on to talk graphically about laying dead bodies of the people of Israel before their idols. Uh, Why? Why is that a huge thing? God coming to clean house. God coming finally to say, you know what? We can't just keep treating symptoms. We need to cut out the cancer. You are a people called and set apart as the people of Yahweh, the people of the Lord God, and you are trying to be Assyria. You are trying to be Moab. You are trying to be Edom. You're trying to be Egypt. You're trying to be Uh, Babylon. You're trying to be all these other places. And that's not who you are. And I can no longer allow you to just try and treat the symptoms. You have a headache. So you keep taking uh, uh, Tylenol and Motrin and and whatever, because you're trying to take care of the headache. When instead what you need is an MRI so they can diagnose the tumor that you have that, that you, need to, you need to be having this cancer removed from you. And so not only am I going to remove you from the land that I love, the land that I have promised to your people to allow it to lay fallow for 70 years in order to adhere to the Sabbath of the land that you have not been keeping, but then also to cut from you, to carve out from you the cancerous tumors that are your idolatry, these, these idols that you have been trusting in. And and so you have him saying, I'm going to hack down your people and I'm going to lay your dead bodies before your idols. Why? Because your idols are nothing. They cannot save you from death. They cannot save you from what is to come. And he, he goes on to talk about, um, Wherever you dwell, the cities shall be waste, and the high places ruined, so that your altars will be waste and ruined, or destroyed, and or or punished is another way to read it. Uh, the, the the notion of this this way of you worshiping and going after other things is going to be demolished, your idols broken and destroyed, your incense altars cut down, and your works wiped out. Out. I like that line, your work's wiped out. We can do a whole sermon series just on that. <laughs> but this God coming and saying, I'm going to destroy all these things that you seem to be holding on to, uh, to try and, and cling to, to try and, and, and save yourself through these things, they are not going to save you. They cannot save you. Why is this relevant to us? Because the majority of the time we spend our lives going after other things. We we will pursue a certain type of retirement. We'll pursue a certain type of promotion. We'll pursue a certain type of plan for the future that we've turned into an idol. And if anything gets in the way of, of, of reaching that goal, whatever it might be, we will do everything we can within our power to make sure that that thing that's getting in the way is destroyed because we have to have whatever that is that we worship and we trust in. That is the way of things for us, period. It, it, it always is. The, the things that we cling to, that we love, that we, that we make the most of. Those are the things that, that definitely will pull us away from God. It, it can come down to something as easy as, what is the thing that causes you not to get up in the morning for church on Sundays? What is it? Is it, is it because you uh, don't like the pastor? Well, then, have you created an idol of the perfect pastor in your mind? is it because you don't like the music have you created an idol of this particular music you're looking on youtube and you see all these mega churches with these gigantic rock shows and that's what you have to have for church and and uh and because your church doesn't do that you, you still support it kind of sort of maybe once or twice a month but it's not a priority for you to gather together with your fellow believers or to, to need to have those sermons come to you through a preacher to tear down those idols. Is it just sleeping in? Is it golf? Is it football? God forbid we'd have our football interrupted. You know, and, and I, I know, yes, I, I have skin in the game, right? Because I'm a pastor when the fact is that church exists for you, church, to tear you away from your idols and to offer up to you the God that you need, which is Jesus Christ, who takes away your sin, who forgives you of your idol making, who even when you are searching after other idols, he stands there like the father of the prodigal son, waiting at the edge of the driveway to see you coming over the, 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 the horizon Knowing that at some point you're going to find yourselves eating the slop with the pigs. And so it is this question of what has taken the place for you? Are there things that have gotten in the way of you growing in your love and adoration for Jesus Christ? We sing that carol every Christmas, right? Oh, come, let us adore him. Do you adore him? Or do you adore other things that gives you a, a sense of, of some sort of purpose or fulfillment that you just want to say, well, church doesn't do that for me. Well, maybe that's not what church is supposed to be for. Maybe church is supposed to be for telling you about your Jesus, telling you about your God, that you have a God, and this God matters for you. Ezekiel goes on to, to talk about um saying uh, first of all he he says again four different times you shall know that i am the lord that it is this goal of god to remove all those idols from our hearts all those idols from our lives that we might know him and know him rightly be intimately known by him that he might be our husband our betrothed our beloved and we might be his because we already are And Ezekiel also talks about verse 9. Those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive. How I have been broken over their whoring heart. What a crazy image. To think that God is broken over our idolatry, church. Over how we have wandering hearts that go after so many other things. Other than him. Whoring hearts, adulterers, that, we, that we, we, we cling ourselves to other deities as our spouses. That has departed from me and over their eyes that go whoring after their idols, where we go and we see something else that intrigues us more than Jesus, going after things more wild than Jesus, as some theologians say. And they will be loathsome in their own sight for the evils that they have committed for all their abominations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. That is the work of God among you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of the gospel being proclaimed into your ears that God is one who comes for his people. And he makes for his people a chosen people, a holy priesthood, ones who are devoted to him. And it is that when the gospel comes to us and and sermons are preached to us on our sin, that sting a little over over the things that, that cause us to go after so many other gods. And then we have the gospel come into our ears to say, you are forgiven of those things because Jesus Christ died for you. It should be a crushing blow to us to remind us that, number one, we have a God who has died and risen for us and we have a God who loves us enough that he's going to tell us the truth but then we also have a God who loves us enough that he's not going to leave us in the slot pen but he's going to come after us he's going to lift us up from the mire and he's going to set our feet upon a rock that we might cling to him that we might look back in our lives and see all the places in which we've abandoned him and realize that he has not abandoned us and that is the outcome here of this, this knowing of God, that all these idols are going to be removed, that we're going to look back on our sin, and we're going to loathe it, and we're going to hate it, because our eyes are going to be fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we might cling to him, knowing that none of these other idols can save us, that new car, that packed bank account, is not going to keep us from death. But Jesus Christ is the one who raises the dead. Finally, he goes on to talk about all the, the accursed things that will be happening among the people with pestilence and famine and sword and, and, and all of these things. And it is there that, that he then uh, talks about, uh, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 13, when they're slain, lie among their idols around their altars on every high hill and all the mountaintops, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, wherever they offered pleasing aroma to all their idols, and I will stretch up my hand against them, and make the land desolate and waste, and all their dwelling places from the wilderness to Riblah. Then they will know that I am the Lord. God coming through with a scalpel to cut out all the things. He's going to make the land, the promised land, a wasteland, to clean it, to purge it, in hopes that when he calls the people back brings them out of exile it sets up the land to be a place wholly devoted to him that is the work of the Spirit in us church the work of the Spirit the work of the gospel to come to us that he might show us the sinfulness of our sin show us what idols need to be torn down and rip them up knowing that many times we might still have a little bit of a side eye glance towards them but that then he might forgive us and carry us along, that we might not go after those things and instead live through him, not for him. I don't like that idea of living for him. That, that makes the, the, the Christian life uh, one of law rather than gospel wherein the gospel Jesus Christ comes to free us from those sins, free us from the need to serve these other idols, knowing that we live in him and nothing else can change that. May that be so for you this week, church. Let us pray. O Lord God, you know that we cannot place our trust in our own powers. As you protected the infant Jesus, so defend us, and all the needy from harm and adversity through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, I pray that you would continue to share this with others. We've been having some uh, gigantic increases in numbers of downloads over these last few months. Please continue to share it. Uh, Not because we want the numbers, not because we want the statistics, but because we uh, want the word to go out of what it is that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. May that be what you cling to this week and joyfully enter into your congregation desiring to grow in love of God and one another, trusting in him alone. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.